Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Many Christians believe theology is overwhelming and intimidating, leaving the education to Sunday morning sermons. Well, former Hollywood Emmy Award winning editor and co-host of the top ranked podcast, Shut the Should Up, Jenny Randall and academic theologian, Pastor Braden Brookshire, say Christians are missing out if they leave theology to pastors and scholars. So their new book, Flash Theology, A Visual Guide to Knowing and Enjoying God More, makes theology accessible and offers stunning visuals. This conversation today is going to help us stop feeling intimidated by theology and live awakened to truth and know that we are known and loved by God. Well, welcome, Jenny and Brayden. I'm so honored and excited to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Thanks for having us, Angela. Yeah, very excited. Well, I've had Jenny here before, but Braden, this is our first time meeting you. So welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. And uh, Jenny and I are friends. And uh, and so it's such a treat, Jenny, to have you back here. But um, I would like to know, and I'm sure my listeners would as well, like how did the two of you even connect to write this book to begin with? Yeah, so Braden and I are related and oh. we always wonder how to explain this, but our spouses are siblings. So we both married into the Randall. Okay. Yes. And I, this is my fourth book. And on the three other ones, I actually would hire in Braden to be the academic theologian on the project to review it. And Mm -hmm. we just really enjoyed working together. But not only that, but at like holiday gatherings and get togethers, we are always the ones in the corner that are like the dorks, like talking about theology and what God is doing and having these big discussions so much so where my husband, Matt would be like, can we not like talk about ministry the whole time? So we needed an outlet and Braden can expand on how the outlet obviously was Flash Theology. Mm. So this is his first book and we're so excited to release it together. Congratulations, Braden. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been one of those things that I've, I'm not new to the publishing world, but it's the first time I finally get to put my name on something. So Mm -hmm. in my own way, it's very exciting to be part of that. So teaming up with Jenny has been so natural and fun. So yeah. I love it. And you know that I didn't know you were related till right then. And uh, just recently, my father and I released a book together. So I love this. And I've seen, I've just seen the power of collaborating because the book that he and I wrote on the life of Thomas is stronger than it would have been if either one of us had written it individually. And you're both nodding. If you're watching this guys, you're seeing that response. So, because we, you know, we all have our own lens that we're coming from and our own potential bias. And so to bring in another voice, I think can be so helpful. So, all right. I want to get right into the, um, the elephant in the room. And that is that theology can be very intimidated just simply by the word theology. Some people may be like, uh, I don't know. This is going to go over my head today. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's the whole point. So Jenny, you're a Bible teacher. You're pursuing a master's in theology. Pastor Braden, you have an MA in New Testament research and a BA in biblical studies. And you have an emphasis on biblical Greek exegesis. So that's a mouthful. That's a lot to think that, okay, As people are hearing that, they might be thinking, well, easy for you guys to be able to study theology, but it's just not something for me. And sadly, in ministry, my husband and I have been in ministry for 30 years as pastors, and we've got to dispel this myth that somehow it's just those standing on a pulpit 
that are the ones that are going to study theology. And literally the word theology means the study of God. If we can just break it down to be that simple, we're all called to know God and to study him. So let's just talk about that. How would each of you define theology? And basically, how can we start helping people? Why are we so overwhelmed and intimidated? And what can we do to kind of start changing that narrative? So I use the same definition as you, Angela, the study of God. And I, for me, when I first became a Christian at 18, I would do the good old Bible flip where you just like open it and you're like, the Lord is speaking. And there was no method to my madness. Right. (laughs) And I let the Bible intimidate me for so long because I wasn't a history person. That was my excuse. Mm -hmm. I don't understand history. I don't need to know it. And as I began to actually dig into the Bible and become literate in what it actually means and how the big picture points to Jesus and how the Old Testament connects in the New Testament. The depth of who God was in my life became became so much, my faith became so much more deep. Mm. And I think a lot of times, like you were saying, it's so intimidating because we think theology, the study of God is just for the elite or the academic And it is for everybody. If you open your Bible, you are a theologian. That's right. So I think just knowing that, like you are all theologians, my kids, they open their Bible, they read it, they are a theologian. Mm -hmm. And just taking like, blow up that myth that it's not for you, because God is for you. Therefore, you're a theologian as well. Brayden, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, we we put it in our intro to our book, but it's a quote from A.W. Tozer. And he said, Mm -hmm. what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And Mm -hmm. so that is not limited to pastors or academic theologians. Now, all three of us on this call, we have made a vocation and have a high calling to help lead others when it comes to theology. So there is still an expertise there, no doubt about it. But when it comes to theology, this is for everyone because like you guys have already said, it is the art and study of knowing who God is. Mm. And so uh, if I could just add one thing to that, I would just say one angle of emphasis I'm putting on it as I'm describing theology to people this year is the mental health component of it. Mm. And to put it simply, it's that when we think about improving our mental health, we often think of other methods, tactics, strategies, and those are all great. I am not downplaying those, but I want to also elevate them, everything about us. Because it also shapes how we view God, how God views us, how we view the story arc of life itself around us. It gives us, uh, it actually doesn't take a put a lens in front of us. It removes the lens to see Mm. life as it truly is. And so theology is the most important thing in pursuit of any Christian. It's not this ancillary thing that if you get to this point, start studying theology move with theology as you grow and as you go. That would be my encouragement. That is so good, Brayden. I love that you said, Jenny, history can be intimidating because there is history. Of course, when you're reading the Bible, you're reading history. And and, and I just love that the Bible is so inexhaustible that you could literally study it your entire life and never be done studying it. And it's so simple that that anyone can understand it. So, you know, it's not, God didn't want this to be inaccessible to us. It's, as you guys say early in the book, it's Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. It's it's him at the beginning. He was before the world even existed. So this is something that is, you know, 
paramount to each one of us who call ourselves a believer to not only know what we're studying, why we're studying it, um, context, all of those things are so crucial and so important. And you guys frame this out in three sections. So I want to talk about that in just a second, but I want to ask first, and maybe you've already kind of answered this, but what are we missing out on then? If it's so crucial that we do this, what are we missing out on? Brady, maybe you can answer that for us when we're not really seeing ourselves as theologians, or we're not willing to kind of uh, push past that intimidation and study the word of God. What are we missing when we leave it to scholars and experts to do that for us? Well, it's, it's kind of like you are eating the breadcrumbs of mm. the feast. You yeah. know, here's the thing. Of course, you're going to be gleaning from those who have an expertise in theology or in a particular book of the Bible or subject mm. matter, but yeah. you're leaving to the crumbs. If you are just intaking uh, snippets of sermons or podcasts and not yourself taking ownership to dig in and be like, you know what? I have a responsibility to get to know God too. Of course, I'm going to have guides. Of course, I'm going to have people who are going to help me on that journey. But I want to take some ownership and say, I want to pursue knowing the God who knows me fully mm-hmm. and truly. I'm sorry, Jenny, but I'm just thinking of our propensity to let other people do it for us. I mean, as you're talking, Brandon, I'm thinking back to Moses when the people are like, mm, we don't really want to go up on the mountain. I mean, you go right ahead and you just like get all the revelation for us and bring it down and, and we'll try to apply it. But there's that distance that, you know, the New Testament and the New Covenant, he doesn't want that distance. Think about it all the way through even Catholicism where people couldn't even read the Bible. They were told not to read it or it's in a language they can't read. So it's so crucial that God is throughout his word and throughout time has wanted us to draw near to him individually, not just for someone else to do it for us. So Jenny, you're going to say something there and then I'm going to throw a question to you. So what were you thinking? Oh, I just, I'm loving this conversation and where we're going with it because we live in such a culture where it's like my truth, here's my truth. Let me tell you my truth. Yeah. And as Brayden and you were just speaking, it reminded me of how often we just hold on to other people's truths mm-hmm. as true when God has given us the authority and the wisdom and the discernment to hold these truth, these air quote truths that we're learning under the authority of scripture and under the character of who God is. So yes, like you guys said, it's so important to recognize as individuals, as we study who God is, we are theologians and we can discern the truth of God through understanding his word. That's so good because if we don't know it, then we're a lot more susceptible to false teaching, to bad theology, to let somebody, even my husband says on a Sunday, listen, go home and study this for yourself. I mean, we, we need to know that what we're hearing is, is sound doctrine, you know? So I think that's just so crucial. I love that you said truths, Jenny, because you guys frame this out in the context of three sections and then digestible, like sections on truths, important truths, crucial truths, foundational truths, rather than us willy-nilly deciding what we're going to believe. In fact, Wendy Speak, who was on the podcast last month, sadly said that most Bible-believing Christians are not Bible-reading Christians. So we're furthering this illiteracy that we say we're a Christian, and I'm putting air quotes if you're not watching, but then when we drill down, do we really know what we believe and why we believe it? And, or we're making up stuff as we go along. And then, you know, I'm sure the three of us want to put like duct tape on our head and say like, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> like You're just literally making that up. <clears throat> and the reason that's so crucial guys is because bad theology can keep us from a relationship with God. Bad theology can keep us from heaven. 
So this matters. Like this is not like, eh, like you said, Bredo, maybe I'll get to it. No, like this is crucial. I, I talk to people and they're living in, they're living in lies that are literally not the word of God, but they're deceived in their thinking to think that they're a believer. So that's why these things are so crucial because at our hearts, guys, Jenny's, Braden's and mine is we want people to live for God, be known by God and live in eternity with God. And so we're pushing back on this narrative of anything goes and you can still be a Christian because it's just not biblical. You guys talk about God being holy. He's righteous. He's just, he's all of these things. And the more we know him, the more, the more we feel known by him. So Jenny, that's kind of what I talk about with you for a second. Your sections are what is God? Who is God? And then what is God like? So help us know that Jenny, uh, uh, Tara Lee Cobble says that we often read the Bible to kind of know ourselves and find ourselves. And we will, we will, it, the Bible reads us, but first and foremost, we read the Bible to know who God is. And so I love that about her teaching, but how does reading the Bible and knowing God, Jenny, help us to feel known by God? I love that question because it's kind of such a twofold tricky situation because the truth of the matter is, is that God knows us fully and more than we know ourselves. True. That is a truth. Whether we fully understand that truth, it is still true, right? It is a truth of God. He knows us and we are known by him fully. Uh, So as we study who God is, so like you said, the book is in three different sections. What is God? Who is God? And what is God like? In the what is God? We're talking about how God is triune and what that actually means. So as you read scripture and and it jumps off the page and comes alive to you, you can actually discern, okay, this here is talking about Jesus. What is the role of Jesus in in this passage? And how does that apply to me? Or this is talking about Father God. And what does that mean? Or this is the Holy Spirit and he indwells in me. And I want to learn more about that. And um, we we talk about what it means, how God is savior. What does that mean in, in relation to the Trinity. Uh, how is God holy and how does that impact us? And then the who is God part actually talks about these incommunicable attributes that God, God is our friend. God is our mediator. Mm. He is our healer. He is our rabbi. Knowing that and saying it is one thing, but knowing it and internalizing it yeah. is a different thing where not only knowing it begins to shape the fairy walk we go on with God. If we know God is healer, and we're in an uncertain circumstance where mm-hmm. we need healing, we can stand on the truth that, okay, I know in my heart and in my soul that God is healer, yet I am not healed. What does that look like? You will carry the certainty of who God is over your situation, not, right. not saying like God is Lord over that. So it's so key to knowing uh, the character of God. And then what is God like? We share communicable attributes with God. We mm-hmm. get to demonstrate him to the world around us. God is glorious. Well, how do we demonstrate his glory? And how do we walk that out? God listens. How can we demonstrate listening to those mm-hmm. that God puts in our path? So it's so key to remember that God God knows every hair on our head. God mm-hmm. knows who we are. And because of that, we can walk out the very mission he's set before us, but it's the stabilizing truths of who God is that will move us forward when our world is uncertain, when our world is rocky, when our world feels like it's blowing up. We we hold on to the truth and the nature of who God is. 
So, so, so good. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a question to Braden, but I just, I want to dig a little deeper into something that Jenny just said, because I have had this discussion. People that know me are like, no, not the same God discussion, but I'm going to throw this out. So I do a lot of ministry in Africa and uh, we have a church in a heavily Muslim area in Northern Ghana. I've probably been almost, you know, 20 times across the continent of Africa. So you get it, you get in stuck sometimes in this conversation um, that we all serve the same God. Okay, so I'm going to dive in a little bit here and Braden probably already knows where I'm going. But Jenny, you said just a second ago, one of the traits that you said is God is mediator. So I just was so frustrated one time in Africa and I said, no, we don't serve the same God. We don't serve the same God. The character traits of this are not the same character traits of Jehovah. And so finally, someone said to me, "Okay, Angela, yes, you're right. But for sake of argument and for sake of winning some to Christ, like Paul says, I'm going to make myself all things to all people so that I can win some. What his point was, you need to focus on who is the mediator, who mediates to get you back to the father. So Brayden, that's a, that's a big question, but for someone to be like, oh, we all serve the same God and it doesn't really matter, which kind of goes back to all truths or always lead to all ways lead to heaven why is God as mediator so crucial? Because I could put there Jesus as mediator, but you've already established early on in the book, we're talking about a triune God. So that's a big statement, but I just like to, I, I, I have found that to be so challenging sometimes, especially dealing with people of other faiths who want to get us kind of pinned in a corner to say, oh, I don't want to talk about this because really we all serve the same God. So help someone who's listening to be like, yeah, I've had that same conversation with a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or or a Muslim. Why is it so crucial that the mediator matters for us? So, Braden, I see you're deep in thought, so I'm going to let you answer this one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's a ton that could be said here, but I think uh, to back step one step and then to move into that specifically, the most unique thing about Christianity in comparative religion study is understanding that God is Trinity. So you can have many scenarios about the, even a monotheistic God. So like even the God that Muslims believe in, for example, mm-hmm. uh, Allah is Unitarian. So one being who's one person, unipersonal God. But it, in any situation, whether it's a Unitarian God or even uh, polytheistic religions that believe in many gods, you always have this fundamental difference where at some point in eternity past, there was one supreme God uh, who created everything and then therefore learn to love the creation he created. Hmm. The very different scenario with Christianity is that you have a Trinitarian God, which means he's one God, so one being who is God, and three persons who share in that deity uh, in, in like indistingu- indistinguishably. And so there has been eternal love in relationship existing within that God. So God didn't create everything out of a sense of loneliness mm. or out of incompletion. And so when God created us, for example, he created us for relationship with him, but already with eternal experience in what loving others look like. He didn't learn love. He is love. That's the yes. difference. And he can only be love. Only Christianity can claim that God is love to his very like essence and being. Mm. No other religion, no matter how much they try to do gymnastics of philosophy, can communicate that. And so when it comes to moving that to the question of mediator, it's it's hard because uh, I don't want to oversimplify in general other religions, but in general, <laughs> now sure. that, 
in general, every comparative religion is going to tell you a means or method to connect or get back to God. Mm-hmm. Now in Christianity, the other unique part of that is since God is our mediator back to himself, we're talking about a God who became the solution to the very problem. So although mm-hmm. we're the ones who broke the relationship and broke the covenant, we have a God that says, okay, I will by my faithfulness mm. restore you. Divine, uh, so human infidelity is healed by divine fidelity. Mm. Human unfaithfulness is healed by divine faithfulness. No other, I'm sorry, no other religion communicates that. And mm. that is another thing that makes Christianity unique. So I have no problem communicating with others how Christianity is not the same as others and framing it as the uniqueness by which we tell that story arc. Oh, it's so powerful. I love the way you, you shared that. Jenny, you want to add anything to that? I'm just over here feeling the preaching pants on. I'm like, yes and amen, snapping, doing the holy. Right? It's it's just, yeah. I I loved everything Braden said. I can't I can't top that. I'll tell you that, Angela. So good. And and you gave us some really some hooks to hang there, some some keywords. And if some of those words were new for you, go back and listen to some of that and write that down. But if you're having a conversation with someone, it gets it gets into a debate beyond dialogue. This is really the crux of it. By no other means are we saved other than Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says in the book that I just wrote with my dad, with Thomas, and, you know, Jesus is leaving and he's saying, well, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going to prepare a place. You all know where I'm going and you know the way to get there. Only Thomas speaks up and is like, time out. Number one, we don't know where you're going. Number two, we don't know the way to get there. And Jesus says in John 14, back to, no, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one gets to the father except through me. So we kind of say that glibly, but that is crucial. That is foundational. That is the only way to salvation. He's not one of many ways. He is the only way. And as you said, Brayden, this is every other world religion is about what we need to do to get back to God. Only Christianity is God coming to us to reconcile us back to himself. What kind of God would love us so much? So these kind of things are important when you get stuck in conversations. Well, that's your truth, as Jenny said a minute ago, or, well, it's okay. We just all serve the same God. No, these, these, these things matter. And if our life is going to matter and we want our, our relationship with God to be sound and solid, we've got to dig a little bit deeper in some of these questions and don't be afraid of, of hard conversations. Don't be afraid of it. And if you get to something you don't know, you just say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. And, and you just love in the conversation, even the woman at the well had zero theology. Well, she didn't have zero. She had flawed theology, but she had a story and it's her story that brought people to God and Jesus and uh, the others did the rest. So anyway, thank you for letting me kind of deep dive for a minute in the same God argument that I've had many times, Brayden. But all right, Jenny, I'm going to flip it to you for a second because another um, kind of crucial component to see, and, and I've had this discussion lately, is the idea that God is king. And I think this can be a really difficult concept for Americans to grasp because we live in a democracy where we idolize our rights. And so you guys write this, the story of Christmas is about a clash of kings and kingdoms. It's a conflict of crowns between the kings of this world and the true king who has come into the world. All right, so this is another kind of big topic that I want to kind of break down and unpack. So Jenny, why is it important that we see God and Jesus as king as a part of our theology? 
Yeah. So Braden can jump in when I'm done explaining this as well, if he wants to, but so the king, every kingdom has three areas, right? There, there's the ruler, there's the people that are being ruled, and then there's a place. Mm. And we need to view when you view God as King, what you're saying is Yahweh is the, the triune God is King of this, of this place. And those that he's leading are the believers and we get to enjoy him ruling over our lives. Um, and that's what it means to be a Christian, right? We're letting him be Lord and King over our lives. And then where he rules, he's ruling on earth, but in the future, the future resurrected cosmos, it's this new heaven and new earth where we will be united with him again. And when we see, when we say God is King, it's not this flippant statement. Mm. What we're saying is God is ruling. God is reigning over my circumstances, over my situations, over my finances, over my health, over my decisions, over my will, over my family, over where I stand right here, over where he's positioning me. And we're letting God have rule and reign and speak into every situation circumstance Mm. I am in. So when we say God is king, we're giving him the authority to to speak biblical truth, to to give us wisdom, to give us guidance, to lead us how to live where he's placed us. And I think um, that is so much more depth than just saying God is king, like God is king. We're giving him ownership to yes. rule our lives. Brayden, do you want to add anything to that? So good, Jenny. No, that's no, that was well said. He gives us, we give him ownership and we're giving it back to him that it's rightfully his. So no, you it. said it so well, love that. Yeah, he has the authority. He is king. His sovereignty is not in question. His sovereignty is not up to us. But at the same time, we have to surrender. We do have free will, which is another big theological concept. But we have to say, back to my book on Thomas with my dad, although he, Thomas had served with Jesus and been a part of ministry for three years, he did have this crisis of faith in which Jesus invited him back to restoration. And the word, and Braden, I'll defer to you if I'm mispronouncing it, but the word Thomas uses there is when he says, my God and uh, my Lord and my God, he's using curios, which really means you are the owner of my life. And so that is that full surrender you're talking about, Jenny, of, yeah, you can be some kind of far off God and King somewhere out there. And that's a, maybe a, intellectually we're saying that, but what we're all talking about here is now you have to make him King and Lord of your life, owner of your life, releasing full control trusting him with everything. Any thoughts on that? And I want to ask you a couple more questions. You're both just nodding. So I, I know yeah. we're all in full agreement here. Oh, I, I just think, no, I have no extra thoughts. I'm just like so revved up for this <laughs> conversation. I'm I just know, right? Yeah. Well, this is why we need the book. I mean, it's Flash Theology, guys. It's so crucial. It just came out. So we're going to tell you how to get it in just a second, but we're just giving you like literally quick little drive-bys and each one of these breaks down. It's beautiful, which I'm going to talk about in just a second. So um, Braden, the last section kind of helps us to understand what God is like. Jenny mentioned that a, a minute ago. He's wise. He's merciful. He's just, he listens to us. One of the ones I kind of smiled at is he was happy. He's happy. And I think even that sometimes we think of, again, Braden, to start back where you started is what we believe about God. What we believe about God is going to affect everything. So if we think of God as some mean, stern, 
you know, maybe we don't even think of God as being happy. So which of these kind of qualities maybe are closest to your heart, Brayden, or do you want to speak to? That one, uh, believe it or not, and that one was Yay. the one on my heart anyway. Okay. Because no, this is a fundamental shift in a lot of people I talk to on the weekly. It's amazing to me how many people don't view God as mm-hmm. happy to his core, mm-hmm. as an attribute, as an essential eternal attribute of God as that he is happy. Like this blows my mind. And we're afraid to use that word, right? Oh, he's joyful. He's not happy. Sorry, that doesn't get away in my book because I in the, we do a chart in the book that has the Hebrew and Greek words mm-hmm. in that is a weird English parsing out of those two words that you don't just find in the biblical languages. Mm. Like it, I'm okay with the sentiment of what people mean when joy, not happy, but that just doesn't cut it for me. Here's the reason why. If we were to ask the question, who's the happiest person in the whole universe? Some of us are going to start thinking of uh, the most rich person on the planet or the most successful person in a niche environment or whatever it is, mm. or Tom Brady, who's won seven Super Bowls and probably yeah. another one before he retires. Yeah. Like, but that's not the answer. The correct answer is that God is the happiest person in, uh, that being in all the universe. And mm. how this works itself out is uh, in a common way that I hear at weddings, which I hate this phrase, God wants us to be holy, not happy. Why are we putting this as a divergent path mm. of fork in the road? Mm. See, there's a Puritan named John Whitlock who phrased it this way. Um, the Christian's way is holiness and his end is happiness. Ooh. And so holiness is our route toward happiness. These are joint paths. Oh, that's to good, go Brian. on the path of holiness is to go on the path for happiness, true happiness, the way God mm. defines it, of course. But I, we want to bring those two back together. And so on our chapter, God is Happy, we also work to bring holiness and happiness back together, which, by the way, for those reformed folk out there, uh, Charles Spurgeon preached over 500 times on the correlation between holiness and happiness. Ooh, I can I can rant more, but that's I'm going to stop. No, I'm so glad you leaned into that because I literally stopped from it. I'm like, God is happy. So here I am, a pastor's daughter, raised in the church, pastoring and still challenged by that. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, why can't we sit with that revelation? Why do we have to reframe? No, no, no. He's joyful. He's this. No, he's, and he delights in us. He delights in us. So again, what we think about God matters. It's crucial. So uh, I'm going to get, you've inspired me to go look up a couple of those Charles Spurgeon sermons so that, because I think holiness can be a hard topic and we can end up kind of camping out an extreme version of it where there's external measures or it's unattainable. And then happiness can be uh, something that we, that's has disdain to it. Oh, no, no, no. God doesn't want you to be happy. And, and the two combined that, that you just said that was profound. Holiness is the path to happiness because look at even other religions, Buddhism or, uh, Nirvana, the, the, the quest, the, the quest for happiness, or even in our own constitution, you have the right to what life, liberty, and the pursuit of Happiness. So if we're pursuing happiness, a blessed life, an abundant life outside of God, we're not going to find it. It's going to be counterfeit sources of the happiness and the peace that God has wired us for. So as you can tell, we could all talk all day. And so uh, we're going to have to just let you go get the book and, and, uh, and, and, and dive in for yourself in a lot more detail. But Jenny, I want to ask you this because when you came on before, we were talking about dream come true and uh, you're creative. You're such a gifted creative and a Bible teacher and theologian. Although I can see why you've reached out to Braden and partnered because I love the way he's framing things as well, but you're helping so many others flourish in their creativity. So 
Tell us before we wrap up why the, how visually stimulating this book is, how beautiful it is, the visuals that you guys have created. Why was that important and how does that help us to really engage with theology? Yeah, every time I teach, my goal is not just to impart wisdom or knowledge, but to challenge people to take action. Hmm. So this is really our goal as co-authors was to not only teach, but take action. So we do that through the visuals and the graphics. Uh, We kind of, so for example, in the salvation chapter or God is savior, we visually show that the father appoints salvation to you. Jesus accomplishes salvation for you and the spirit Mm -hmm. applies salvation in your life. So we just show a visual representation. So it's good if people are visual learners and it just takes it that extra step where it like hits you in your soul in the right way. And I'm such a visual creative learner that this was the really fun part for me. We were always talking through, how can we visually represent this? How can we take it a step further? So that was really fun. And then another thing we did at the end of every chapter, we haven't applied this. Yes. And what that is, is for example, for the salvation chapter, we challenge everybody to read Ephesians one and identify each person of the Trinity. Yeah. So they're not only learning, but they're doing. And every apply this is, this is the little secret to, to let you all know. Every apply this is around a different spiritual discipline. So not only are you learning about the character of who God is, but you're also just by nature of taking action, walking out different spiritual disciplines throughout the process of the book. So we're so thrilled and excited. Like David Mm. C. Cook is our publisher and they designed the interior and we've been blown away every time they send us samples. It is gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And it really does help you to take these sometimes difficult intimidating as we've talked about concepts. I mean, when I'm in Africa, a lot of times with kids, I'm using pictures, salvation bracelets, illustrations, you know, backpacks full of rocks and the heaviness that we carry. Like, you know, Jesus talked in parables, like he was trying to make things. I can picture him trying to get this point across. Well, the kingdom of God is like, and he's looking over here. It's like this farmer, you know, and look at these lilies. I mean, uh, he was God, but at the same time, he wants us to understand what he's talking about. The visuals are helpful. I could see us doing this with kids, with, with teenagers. Teenagers need to understand theology. Good grief. Let's not wait until we're 40 to try to see if we have the right framework around our theology of God. So, you know, get it for yourself, but I would buy a copy for the, the your maybe not like below 12, 10 or 12, but I don't know, Jenny, you have kids. So maybe you could help us with that. But just, I just feel like the visuals alone, if you've read it as an adult and you use the visuals to even help not only you grasp it, but maybe someone younger that has less of an even theological base. Um, I, I just found them to be not only beautiful, but really helpful in our studies. So um, I want to ask one last question and then Jenny's going to pray for us, but I I would like to know um, how you want them to get the book because it just came out. So how can they connect with you and where do you want them to go to get a copy? Yeah, they can go to flashtheology.com. And we have extra resources there as well. We have downloadables. We give promises of God. We have this really pretty chart they can download. And then we also have small group curriculum as well as downloadable slides. So if a church wants to take this and present it, they have the resources for that. So yeah, flashtheology.com. You can figure out where to buy it and uh, we can stay connected with you that way. 
I love that. I love that. And I'm taking some of our women through dream come, dream come true. And then Jenny's speaking for us out here in May. And oh, I can't we'll be, wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. And we'll be diving more into flash theology. And I'm so excited to introduce this resource even to our church body out here. So Brayden, Jenny's already answered this question. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you and then Jenny's going to pray us out. But Brayden, this is the Make Life Matter podcast. We've been kind of just camped out in the Bible today in the word of God. Obviously it means so much to each one of us because we know, you know, as Peter said, where else would we go? I mean, Jesus, you have the words of life. (laughs) There there is no other place we would go. Um, But other than Jesus, who is the person in the Bible that has most inspired you to make life matter? Maybe a burning question you can't wait to ask, or just someone that is most related, you you most relate to when you read the word of God. Um, I mean, I'm going to change my answer of what I was going to say. I was going to say Paul, and I'll, I could unpack that every time. But actually, as of lately, my late lit, latest answer would be Mary. Mm. And uh, I know that might be shocking, but the more I think about, we just uh, recently came out of Advent. We go into Advent every year, right? But like, yeah. it's amazing to imagine a woman who in her womb carried God incarnate Mm, and mm -hmm. raised toddler God incarnate who had then submitted to the lordship and kingship of God incarnate, who was also her child. I can't imagine as a parent, because I'm a parent too, what that is like. That is such a unique experience. I would love to sit down with Mary and hear more Mm. of the details and stories of that in that unique relationship of being the entrusted as the earthly parent of God incarnate. Like it yeah. blows my mind. That, that's my answer right now is mother Mary. <laughs> yeah. And what a beautiful story. And back to what we said earlier about God being the owner of our owner of our life, her phrase, when she doesn't understand, like Jenny said, God is sovereign when we don't understand the point of this conversation guys is for you to know that you have a God that you can trust that his character is unfailing. He was not created He always was, always is. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the more you know him, the more you will live fully known, the more you will make your life matter for the kingdom. You will you will live in that abundance that we've talked about here, that happiness that you're craving, that maybe you've been running after other things to find. You're only going to find that full fulfillment in Jesus. And so we want you to pick up a copy of this. But Mary said a very interesting statement when she was you know, sitting there with the, the angel and trying to process this information. She basically, I picture her just taking a deep breath and saying, well, then let it be unto me as you have said, let it be unto me as you have said. And I think that posture of surrender and allowing the Lord to work in our lives. I don't understand all of this, God, and I may not the side of eternity, but I trust you and I trust your character. So if you've said it, then it's for my good and it's for your glory. So let it be unto me as you have said. So thank you, Brayden. Thank you for your love for God's word and your desire to make it accessible to us. Thank you, Jenny, for just going after God. I love you. I I just adore you. I think you're just amazing. Guys, I know Jenny behind the scenes and she is 100% the same person through and through and her heart to see people know God more and to live not only knowing him, but to know that they are known by God. I'm just so grateful for you and your voice in our generation. So Jenny, would you pray us out, especially for people today who feel like, okay, I don't want to live intimidated anymore. I want to really know that I can know God for myself and that I can be known by him. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love, for your happiness, (laughs) for your joy, for your peace. And I just pray for a wrestling match to begin in every single one of us, 
a wrestling match for the truth, the truth of who you are, and that any false or counterfeit ideas of who you are just begin to dissipate. As we dig into the word of God, may it not be intimidating any longer. May we show up hungry for the depth and the truth and the knowledge and the discernment to know you deeper. Gosh, what a gift to be loved by you, Lord. I pray that as we dig into scripture, as we learn about the foundational truths of who you are, when life becomes rocky or uncertain, that we hold on, we cling to the certainty we have in Christ. What a gift in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.